Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Doing good? All right. It's great to be in the Lord's house this morning. You guys look beautiful. Turn to your one neighbor and say, you look beautiful. Turn to the next one. Turn to the other one and say, that person's conceited. You guys look great. Well, if you didn't know, the Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily. Just giving you a reminder of that. It's a simple step to follow. Follow the Lord and encounter him daily. I always find that when I follow that step, my life seems to be a little bit easier, you know, because it's easy when you're in his presence, right? The hard part is when you are not following him and ignoring his commands. Honestly, like that, I don't understand like people not following the Lord because look at Jonah. He runs from the Lord and he ends up in the belly, right? So it seems easier just to get that part in encountering the Lord. So I encourage you, if you're not already, encounter the Lord daily. Amen. A little bit about me. I am, uh, my name is Billy. I am the community and connections pastor here at the Power Place. Um, it's nice to meet all of you and see your faces. If you're joining us online, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I am over all of our volunteers. I'm over our power groups, which are our small groups. Uh, I run our men's ministry. Um, I do, um, I get to have the privilege of being one of the gym teachers at the Power Place Academy. That's one of my favorite jobs I have here. Uh, give it up for the Power Place Academy. Yeah. Getting ready to enter year two. Um, and that's just a little bit about me. I want to thank uh, Pastor Landon for uh, two weeks ago on his message. What a powerful message. Can we give it up for Pastor Landon? He spoke on, on warfare worship. And I love, I, there's, there's little snippets, and the little snippet I took from his is I love that one of his points were uh, worship can be both offensive and offensive. So, you know, our, our worship isn't always going to be pleasing to those around us, because especially if they're not encountering the Lord with us, it's going to be a little offensive to them. But we can also use it as a weapon against the enemy. Amen? And then big shout out to uh, PG, Pastor Greg, for his message last week. Let's give it up to PG. Thank you for your sermon last week. Talking more about being in the suddenlies position and dealing with things that the Lord has been nudging you to deal with. And when you neglect those things, you end up worse off. So thank you, PG. Uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit on uh, what it looks like to be a true servant. Um, my message uh, this morning is entitled Servanthood. Uh, and we're not talking about the type of servanthood where you're in shackles. We're not talking about the Egyptians ruling over the Israelites type of servanthood. Um, we're very much talking about a servanthood that is just serving and following the one who deserves to be served. The one who gave, freely gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, that's who we're serving. And that's what, it, that, that, that's what it's all about. Amen? Amen. So bow with your heads uh, this morning. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come and freely praise your name, Father. Lord, freely praise your name and serve you without persecution, without imprisonment this morning, Father. God, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to wake up and serve you. God, I pray that uh, this morning you would soften hearts to receive. Receive the words that you would have this morning, them to hear, Father. Open ears this morning, Father. God, I pray that you would decrease us 
And as you decrease us, Father, you would increase in us, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 So servanthood. If I could sum up servanthood in one word. Go ahead. I'm going to put it out to the crowd. Give me one word. If there's no wrong answers, one word for servanthood. The first word that comes to your mind, servanthood. Come on, let me hear them. Sacrifice, I heard. Obedience. Love it. If I could sum up servanthood in one word, it would be J-E-S-U-S. Amen? Jesus was the physical manifestation of servanthood in the Bible. He's the embodiment of servanthood. That's one of two reasons he's, he, he was here and walked on this earth. If you have your Bibles this morning, first scripture we're going to look at, it's Mark 10, 45. And I'm going to explain to you what I just said. It's right here, clear as day. Two reasons why he's here on this earth. For, the, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. One, and to give his life as ransom for many. Two. He came to not be served, although he was served abundantly throughout his life. That's not why he was here. He didn't come here to say, okay, follow me, although he gave commands to follow him and follow his father. He came to serve us and give his life a ransom. So if you're taking notes this morning, I have four requirements. I don't have. The Lord would have four requirements for what servanthood looks like. You know, I could get up here this morning and speak on servanthood, and I'm sure some of you in the crowd are saying, here we go, it's the pastor who's over volunteers, he's gonna want us to serve, so I get, I, but we're gonna hear a whole bunch of, you need to be serving, you need to go to great. I'm gonna tell you right now, I won't say it once, because the Lord's gonna say it for me. Amen? So point one, if you're taking notes, servanthood requires, and it's threefold, and I'll tell you why, humility, meekness, and wisdom. Servanthood requires humility, meekness, and wisdom. And can I tell you that servanthood is never attached to entitlement? I'm going to say that again. Servanthood is never attached to entitlement. It's not a I serve the church, I, I come here, I clean, I work at the cafe. What am I getting out of it? Oh, that's, that's coming from the wrong heart. I love this quote uh, by, by C.S. Lewis. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. And I, have, I think when people think of humility, it's, it's I, gotta, I gotta get down, I gotta be like this, okay. True humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Check out Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God. That's a humble Jesus right there. A thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men 
and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. One of my favorite uh, things in the Bible is the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It's something that we've read over and over again. We know he did it. But when you take time to step back and look at the significance and the importance of him washing his disciples' feet, back then, it's not like I have these nice boots on or you guys nice shoes on. It's not like that. Like It wouldn't be like me taking my shoes off and there's no dirt on there. Just wash the stank from the socks off them. No, no, no. We're talking about some stank back then. Like When I tell you, like they either had sandals that were that thin or no shoes at all. So when you're washing feet back in biblical times, you're washing like sometimes dirt caked on there for a couple days, like some goat poop crusted in between your toes. Like I'm talking like we say some stank. So that was a job for a specific servant. So when you would walk into a place, there would be a servant in the corner of a room. And as you walked in, no, because you wanted to respect where you were walking into. So you would have to have your feet clean. So there would be a, a specific servant who would do that for you. Well, Jesus and the disciples, they walk into to this place and there's no servant there to wash the feet. And I can picture it now. I can picture, you know, uh, you know Peter looking around being like, he's doing this. I don't see anybody here. Thomas, you want to do it? And Thomas is like, I don't know. I doubt that. Uh, I get to see it now. And as they, as they're talking amongst themselves, Jesus humbles himself. He gets up, goes to the corner where the washing station is, and begins to wash his followers, his disciples' feet. That's a true servant. That's humbleness embodied. Humble servants never look or ask for the spotlight, but the ones who aren't looking for the spotlight are the ones who the Lord will spotlight. Let me say that again. Humble servants never look or ask for the spotlight, but the ones who aren't looking for the spotlight are the ones who the Lord will spotlight. Anybody know who the cleaners in this house are? If you could look around. Some of you, yeah, Pastor Greg knows all the cleaners. He had his hand right here. As soon as I said it, Pastor Greg, I know them all. That's, that's a cheat code. I would venture to guess if you were to stand up right now and look around, you could maybe pick out one maybe two of the cleaners. Do you want to know why? I love our cleaners in this house. If you're a cleaner in this house, can we give it up for our cleaners first? Do you want to know why we don't know our cleaners? It's because you don't see them here. I'm going to point one out because I see her right here. I don't see Dominique on Instagram with a, I can see it right now, you know, with a, 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 what do you call them? The duster being like, check this out, I'm cleaning the church. No, 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 no. We don't see that. They come in, they humble themselves, they lower themselves, they clean some of the nasty stuff that y'all's kids leave behind. They're cleaning that, and we get to walk into a spotless church every Sunday because of that. Thank you, cleaners. Let's give it up for the cleaners again. Opposite humility would be pride, correct? Pride's something, it's pretty clear in the Bible. Uh, I love where PG went last week. I brought it up, but he says, quickly and obediently deal with the things, and when I say PG, it's Pastor Greg. I'm sorry, it's just ingrained in me. 
He said, quickly and obediently deal with the things that the Lord has been nudging you to deal with. Neglect it and let it destroy you. So if you're sitting out there this morning and one of those things that you've neglected for a while is pride, deal with it today. Because if you don't, it'll deal with you and it will destroy you. It's very clear in Proverbs. It's cut and dry. Pride comes before the fall. Another translation would say pride comes before destruction. If the word fall isn't getting you, that word destruction will get you. And it will destroy you if you don't deal with it today. The ones who don't deal with it, they have no fear of the Lord. We're going to touch on that soon, uh, a little later, but fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, when I think of humility, uh, one of the people I think of is my father, um, Bill Grandizio. He's our finance director. Um, now, granted, was he a perfect man or a perfect father? No, but none of us are, right? Was I? I mean, I've been a father for a year and a half now. I'm far from a perfect father. But one thing about him that I was racking my brain this past week, even asking my wife, like, when in my life have I ever seen pride well up in my dad? The only thing I could think of is he's proud to be an American. That's the only part of pride I could think of. Well, at least he knows he's free and he won't forget who died. But in my life, thinking back on it, he was one of the most humble men I've ever met. And thank you for instilling that in me, Dad. I've heard countless stories of coming home, or not this, not a story, coming home from school and my mom saying, hey, you know, your dad got looked over uh, for another promotion. Um, he's going to come home and he may be a little upset. You know, just be ready for that. And I would, okay, we prepare and he'd come home and, hey, okay, let's have dinner. And we'd be like, you know, are you okay? Yep, totally fine. Because he honored those that can't, he wasn't a type of, he wasn't given lip service. You know, there's some that, some of us with pride where it's all talk, talk, talk. It's in the Bible. You could be all talk, 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 but their hearts are far from me. He gave no lip service. It wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. But home, he was coming home and bashing those who would get the, the promotion ahead of him. No, he humbled himself. He kept his head down and lowered himself and he allowed the Lord to fight his battles for him. PG just talked about it. We just got done saying, when you allow the Lord to fight your battles, it was Isaiah 33. He just said, when you allow the Lord to fight your battles, the enemy runs at the noise, right? We just talked about it. And that's what my dad did. So thank you, dad. I love you. So I want us to real quick, before I go into meekness, because as my point says, I wanted to be a threefold. It is point one. Humility, meekness, and wisdom. There's a reason I put these three together, and it's because they all have something to do with one another, and here's why. So think of humility as one's battle against oneself, okay? Now, if you're confused and like, what's me meekness is humility? No, no, no. Think of meekness as your battle against others. So humility is one's self-battle against itself. Meekness would be one's self-battle against the outside, Here's what I mean by that. And also, don't mistake in meekness for weakness. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not weak, I'm just meek. And turn to your other one and say, I think they're weak. <laughs> just kidding. 
The Lord, uh, not the Lord, the world would love to turn what God intended for pure and good into something negative. The word meek is one of them. You may not even think about it. Think about the word meek. I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary, which is a worldly text, right? So meek in Webster's Dictionary means quiet and submissive. The antonym for meek is bold. But then I read Matthew 5, and it tells me that the meek would inherit the earth. So how can someone who is going to inherit the earth be submissive and not be bold? It doesn't make sense. But here's what scripture will tell you about what meek means. You look back to Jesus. Was Jesus quiet? No. He was when he had to be. And other times, he was flipping tables and casting out demons. Was Jesus submissive? No. 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 We see it. Satan attempts to, to get him three different times. He's in the wilderness three times. Satan attempts to make him submissive and get him. And on three different occasions, he stands his ground. He uses scripture and he fights back with a boldness. But that's the opposite of me. So the world would mean what the world would take what the Lord intended for good and try to turn it around on him. I love, um, I love Jesse Duplantis. Anybody know Jesse Duplantis? Yeah. Jesse Duplantis is a great preacher. He's from, he's from New Orleans. He's got that New Orleans accent. Oh, not in New Orleans. I can't do it. Landon, you got me on that? Where's Tim Brown when you need him? He's, got, he's from New Orleans. So Jesse Duplantis, he's got that accent, right? It's real thick. And uh, he got wind or, or got word of, and this is in his younger days, that someone was making fun of him. Someone was making fun of his preaching style. Someone's making fun of his accent. And he felt personally attacked. So he's telling the story, and he, you know, in Jesse Duplantis' accent, Lord, help me. He goes, I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to, is that Elvis? I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I'm trying here. I'm going I'm to try it. I'm going to power through. I'm going to go down and find that man. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smack that sucker. That's something like that. So he says, I'm going to go down there, I'm going to smack that sucker. But if you know Jesse Duplantis, you know that's who he is. Like, he's a, he's a bold in who he is. And I, the spirit of Elvis descended upon me, I promise. Go back. Um, so he, he goes to deal with this guy. What's he doing? He's fighting his own battle. He goes to get in his car because he finds out where this guy lives, and he's going to go down. He's not going to rough him up, but he's going to go confront him. So he goes to get in his car, and his car door doesn't open. He's like, okay, let me try this again. He goes to open his door again, and his door will not open. But the door is unlocked. He just cannot get the door in the car to open to go confront this guy. And right then and there, the Lord stops him in his tracks. And he said, Jesse, they ripped my beard out, and they spit in my face. And right then, Jesse said, he learned what it was to be meek. And wouldn't you know it, he changes his mind. And as soon as he changes his mind, he goes to open his car again and it opens. Hmm. Could you give it up for God this morning? I just I love how he works. It's unbelievable. He learns meekness in that moment. Allow the Lord to fight your battles for you. A perfect example is right here. Check out Numbers. Numbers 12. We're going to find out 
this quick story about Moses and, and just watch how God works. I love it. So Numbers 12, Miriam and Aaron, if you don't know who they are, siblings. The person, the people who are supposed to get your back, your siblings. They speak against Moses because of his Cushite woman. He decided to marry a Cushite woman. Okay, blah, blah, blah. We've all made bad mistakes, I'm sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> who he married, but he married a Cushite woman, right? And they say, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now, the man Moses was very... Mm, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly, the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three. Uh-oh. It's like when my mom used to say, William Grandizio. That's when I knew it was all bad. I used to put like 19 pair of underwear on. I knew the spoon was coming out. Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called out Aaron and Miriam. So you can already see what's happening here. Moses is just sitting back like he's got his popcorn. They both came forward and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. When they were, you, not afraid to speak against my servant Moses, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. Uh-oh. When the cloud removed over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And leprosy back then, it's like, picture boils times a million nasty. They're, no, I'm not even going to get into it. And Aaron turned towards Miriam and he said, whoa. No, he didn't say that. Aaron turned towards Miriam and says, oh my Lord, do not punish us because we've done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one of the dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord. So Moses, how meek this man is, he's sitting back letting the Lord deal with them. And then watch what he does. He's a better man than I. Moses cried out to the Lord, oh God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not have been shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside of the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside of the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So look at that. Moses could have taken a defensive position. His siblings are coming at him. I, my, my siblings and I, we've had some knockdown drag outs. When they come against me, I'm coming back at them. And I was the only boy, but I was the youngest. So up until I got to a certain point, it seemed like I could hit them. I'm just kidding. But he, I got picked on by them. He could have taken a defensive position, but he stayed low. He stays low. We've talked about it. It starts with, PG started with it. He lets the Lord fight his battles for him. So let the Lord fight your battles for you. Stay low. And your siblings will get leprosy. That's what, the, that's what, I, that's what I got out of it. I don't know about you. Nobody else got that? All right. So I'm still on point one. And the end of point one now, we got humility. We talked about that, right? We got meekness. 
Why did I throw wisdom in there? Because the Lord did it. Check this out. Proverbs 11:2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes meekness. I'm sorry, comes wisdom. I got a meekness in my mind. But with humility comes wisdom. So you see, it's humility first, wisdom follows. It's not the other way around. Because I know plenty of wise and intelligent people who are also some of the most arrogant people. I'm sure some of you in the crowd also know. You know, because they have that, that worldly type of wisdom. There's no humility with it. Picture, picture a train, right? What carries the train, the locomotive? And in the back, the brakes, you got the caboose. So picture humility and meekness as the locomotive pulling the train and behind it braking when it needs to and letting them go when it needs to is your wisdom. Take the two and switch them and you have the caboose with wisdom at the front of the train and you have humility trying to push everything forward. What's going to happen? The train is going to stall out. It's not going to work. You have to allow your humility and your meekness to go first, and then the wisdom follows. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, I was just driving yesterday. We were on our way to breakfast. Um, my wife, Brittany, um, I, and, and my daughter, Blake. And it was a quiet moment in the car. Sometimes we'll put worship music on. I don't know about y'all, but I love encountering the Lord when I'm in my car alone. It's one of my favorite places to encounter the Lord. Um, if you're not doing it, try it out. If you're by yourself in your car, instead of putting a podcast on or, or a, uh, even worship music, I love listening to worship music, but sometimes just get quiet before the Lord. Allow him to speak to you in those quiet moments. That was a sidebar. That one was free. The next one I'll charge you. And it was a quiet moment in the car. You know, I didn't have Blake babbling. Blah, 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 blah. And Brittany wasn't asking me about buying something on Amazon for once. And I heard, I love you, babe. And I heard... <laughs> I heard the Lord say, I'm just kidding, a little bit. I heard the Lord say, clearly, tell them that in order to be a true servant, you must also be servable. In order to be a true servant, you must also be servable. Someone who's servable, look no further than Jesus. He's the epitome of a servant, but he's also the most easy man in the Bible to serve. He lets his humbleness and his meekness, and he's full of wisdom. That's the kind of person that I want to follow. That's who I want to serve. I want to serve someone who is humble, meek, full of wisdom that I can glean off of. That's who I want to serve. So this morning, be a servant, but also be servable. So servant who requires... Humility, meekness, obedience. Point two, servanthood requires obedience and the fear of the Lord. Servanthood requires obedience and the fear of the Lord. You didn't know obedience is one of the core values here at the power place. We say it's the key to life. Servanthood requires obedience. Turn with me to John 14, 15. pretty cut and dry. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, 
you will keep my commands. It's obedience. Again, same chapter, couple verses later. Verse 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, if you love me, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You will keep my commands. It's pretty cut and dry. When the Lord wants to hammer something home, he's gonna hit it over and over and over again until you get it. And my father will love him. So love him, keep his commands, and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Can I tell you that one way, one easy way to stay in obedience is understanding and obtaining the fear of the Lord. Proverbs says it, I said it a little bit ago, but in Proverbs it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So all these points are gonna start to tie in here soon because point one, you need wisdom, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This characteristic of obedience ties, it ties into wisdom well. When you finally get it, when you finally have a healthy fear of the Lord. It's not a type of petrified fear where you're shaking. You're like, oh, he's going to smite me, almighty smiter. No, it's not that type of fear. It's the fear of being out of his presence. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's the fear of not being in his will. It's the fear of not having the Father with you at all times. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's in a great, that is a great place to be when you finally get that healthy fear of the Lord and you just fear being out of his presence. Amen? Right. Servanthood requires obedience. Your relationship with the Lord is not a you do what you want and the Lord will come with you wherever you go type of relationship. It's very much a he leads and you follow type of relationship. Amen? I sit back and I'm so thankful for the leadership that I've had over the past 20 years here at the Power Place and the obedience that these men walk in, uh, starting with our founding pastor and his wife, Pastor Greg and Christy. Their obedience to, on a silver platter, beautiful church in Fort Myers, Florida, on the water, tons, you got people, you got money, you got everything. It, it, almost, it reminds me of, I'm not saying anything negative about who offered them this, but it's like, it's like the temptation of Christ. Here it is. Here it is. You want this? It doesn't smell like mushroom poop. Here it is. But because of daily encounters, because of humility, because of meekness, because of wisdom from him, they say, no, 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 no. I got to be obedient. That's not where I'm to be. We're going to Kennett Square. Thank you for your obedience. They say the apple doesn't far fall from the, too far from the tree. And I look at our now lead pastor, Pastor Isaiah and Brittany. The obedience that was learned that they now walk in. Uh, For those who don't know, a little peek behind the curtain, Pastor Isaiah was, 20 years ago, was the janitor of our first building. He cleaned your toilets. Did you know that? He cleaned toilets. He was the janitor. If you didn't know it, it's for a reason. Because he was humble. And he was meek. He goes from cleaning toilets to becoming the kid's pastor 
He goes from becoming kid's pastor, oh, just keeping, staying low, keeping his head down, being obedient to the Father, because that's all that matters. We just want to please him. He goes from kid's pastor to associate pastor, and he loves being associate pastor. He's comfy there. He and Brittany are, they're in a good spot. And then Pastor Greg and Christy say, okay, batter up. You were on deck. Now it's time to hit. And what you don't know is that Pastor Isaiah and Brittany never asked or wanted to be lead pastors here, but they would have been in direct disobedience to the Lord if they didn't take it. And it goes back to humbleness and meekness and wisdom and obedience and a fear of the Lord. They all connect. Once you're walking with the Lord and you're in his presence, it all just makes sense. So servant who requires humility, meekness, wisdom, it requires obedience and the fear of the Lord. Number three, servant who requires health. It's another core value here at the power place. We'll say it over and over again because it's something that's tried and true but daily encounters with the Lord, they matter. It's not something we just get up here and say to regurgitate every Sunday. Daily encounters with the Lord, they matter because we've seen what happens on the other end of your obedience with your daily encounters. Why do they matter? Let's find out. John 15, four. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. That's for your spiritual health. But can I touch on real quick your physical health? Because that matters as well. When we say health, we very much mean spiritual and physical here. Because if a healthy servant is not a yes person, a healthy servant isn't one who allows others to beat them down to the ground until there's nothing left. Because if you're beaten down like that, you're no good to the kingdom anymore. You've got to keep your body. The Lord gave this, this flesh, this organ, the largest organ in our, on our body, he gave it to us to take care of. He allowed us to steward our own bodies. So we should do that, I think. I think it's important. So we need physical health as well. Amen? Amen. And it's funny. You may think you're obedient by saying yes to everything. Can you clean the church? Oh, you can? Awesome. And then two days later, hey, can you also run media? Oh, you can do that too? Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, can you play one of the instruments on Sunday? You can? Awesome. Can you do this? If you keep saying yes to everything... You may think you're being obedient, but you're not. You're only hurting yourself. And if you have a family, can I say that before this ministry, your family is your first ministry? Can I get an amen on that one? There may be some out there that have already gone through it, and they're saying, yeah, you got that right. And there may be some that are saying, well, I say yes to everything. It's fine. You're going to learn today. Your first ministry is serving your family. And if you're not spiritually healthy, let's go back to spiritually you're not spiritually healthy, you're going to find yourself being a servant to the wrong thing. 
You're gonna find yourself being a servant to the wrong thing if you're not spiritually healthy. And you can easily twist point number two of obedience. Check out how the enemy would, would use this. You're gonna twist point number two of obedience by making it think like you're doing the right thing. Perfect example was the pandemic. I got real quiet. Did not appreciate that. Well, the world says we got to do this, so we got to do it. How many times did I hear the Lord gives us wisdom, so we got we to obey? It's obedience is in the Bible. Somebody liked it. It's in the Bible. You can't serve two masters. You can only serve one master. So are you going to serve? The enemy's got the world in his back pocket. Leaders, government, it's in his back pocket. And if you don't understand that, then understand that. So what are you going to serve? The world or God? You can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. You can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and TV. You can't serve both God and golf. And some guys are really, I know Ryan right there just looked at me like, what? <laughs> look at, uh, take a look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a perfect example of this, of health and daily encounters and not serving two masters and using wisdom and being obedient. It's a how far can we push you this is what the world's going to do. This is what people around you are going to do. How far can we push you until you reach your breaking point or your boiling point? If you're healthy, you're going to stay steadfast and you're going to do what John 15 said and abide in him and allow him to abide in you. If you're unhealthy, you will boil and you will break. But it also goes back to point one, allow the Lord to fight your battles and he will do it. When you need him, he's there. He's tried and true. So servanthood requires humility, meekness, wisdom. Servanthood requires obedience, the fear of the Lord. Servanthood requires health. Number four, servanthood requires preparation. One of my favorite parables. Check out Matthew uh, 25, 1 through 13. It's a parable of the 10 virgins. This one's a good one because this one isn't for something back then. The, this parable is very much for the day we're in now. So take heed to this parable. Get it deep down in your heart. It says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five were wise. When the foolish ones took their lamps, they took no oil with them. They didn't prepare. But the wise ones took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. So you got 10, ten virgins. Five take the oil and prepare. Five just take their lamps. All 10 fall asleep. Okay, so they're all asleep right now. Then they all wake up. The virgins rose. They trim their lamps. The foolish ones say to the wise, hey, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us 
and for you. Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. I said, okay, that sounds great. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. Those that were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other versions came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you neither know neither the day nor the hour. Anyone know what that's about? It's about end times. It's about the second coming of Christ. And how many of us in the crowd are going to be the five wise that are well prepared and ready for him? But how many of us are going to be the five unwise who think we're prepared or we're pushing off being prepared until later because I got time? When before you know it, time's going to run out and the door will be shut and that's the door to heaven and everlasting life and you'll be on the outside looking in. That's not a place I want to be. Not a place I want to be. Preparation. I love my small group leaders. I love my power group leaders. Uh, Power groups, they're not something where, you know, power groups are getting ready to open in a couple weeks, and it's not something where just a week ago we came together and we started throwing all this stuff together for, okay, what are you doing? Oh, you're going to teach on this. Okay, you'll teach on this. Okay, Pete and Lauren, you're going to teach on this. No, 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 no. We've started preparing for power groups when the old season was already going on. You see, because we were in the current season of power groups, but we were looking ahead and preparing for the next season. Uh, Servants prepare for the next season while they're still in the current season. About a month ago in staff meeting, uh, Pastor Isaiah was sharing with us uh, about stewarding and about preparing And I really took these three points that he gave, uh, and and they really stuck with me, and I want to share those with you. There's three types of people, okay? First one is not knowing what season you're in. Number two, if you're taking notes, three types of people, not knowing what season you're in. Second person, a person who's always looking ahead to the next season and missing out on where they're at. And the third person is the person who knows how to steward the current season they're in, but also prepare for the next. That last one, I don't know about y'all, but that last one's where I want to be. Knowing what season you're in, stewarding everything the Lord has given you for such a time as this, for this season, but don't stay there because we're to keep going. We're never to get stagnant. We're to keep going. We're, We're to press forward. We're to further his kingdom, not keep his kingdom stagnant. So know where you're at in this season, but look ahead and say, Lord, what would you have for me next season as well? One of my favorites in the Bible to read about is John the Baptist. I love good old JTB. You're gonna start calling him that, don't even lie. So for those who don't know, he's the cousin of Jesus. Did you know that? His mission wasn't just baptizing people. It's a misconception. His name's John the Baptist, so you think, okay, the Lord put him here to baptize people. Yeah, he did that, but that's not his main mission. His mission was to prepare everyone he encountered 
for the one that was to come. That's in scripture. We see snippets of his story told all throughout the gospels, but there's one account that I love. It's my favorite account of John the Baptist. Uh, It sums it up pretty well. Check it out. It's in Matthew 3. We're going to pick up in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is who was spoken of the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, that's him, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John, the dude's a G. Check this out. He wears a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt, some Jordans, and he eats locusts, and that's not in there, and he eats locusts and wild honey. So the dude's coming out looking rough, looking like, like Matt Doughton after he hunts deer. <laughs> Matt, you ever eaten locusts? What do they taste like? <laughs> then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the regions around the Jordan were going out to him, and there they were baptized. He's John the Baptist. They're baptizing in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. I want to bring that back so bad and call people that. I think I'm going to start today. You brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water for repentance. But don't look at me. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Last part of this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan of John to be baptized. Check out just this snippet from 13 to 17, and you're gonna see how John the Baptist encompasses everything I just talked about in four verses. You ready? John would have... So Jesus comes to John to be baptized, 13. Verse 14, John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Ben, you can make your way up here. So check out John the Baptist. He humbles himself before Christ. So let's go back to point one. He's humble. He stays low. Jesus is coming. And he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why am am I baptizing you? You need to baptize me. Humility. 
as Jesus is walking, I could see it now, everyone is looking at John because they think he's the savior. They think John's the Messiah. So everyone's looking at John. All of a sudden, Jesus comes and John goes, he's the one, that's him. And all the attention shifts from John to Jesus. And John, and John could have been like, whoa, 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 never mind. Take your eyes back on here. Look at me, 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 me. No, no, he's meek in that moment. And he allows them to take his eyes off of him and fix it on Jesus. Obedience. He doesn't want to. The Bible said he would have been prevented from baptizing Jesus. But he knew if he didn't, he'd be in direct disobedience. So he obeys. He baptizes Jesus. I can tell you now he had health. He's daily encountering the Father. Does it say it specifically in the verse? No. But he comes from the wilderness. What do you think he's doing in the wilderness while he's out there? Do you think he's just learning how to make camel clothes? You think he's just, do you think he wants to eat locusts? Why is he in the wilderness for so long? Because he's daily encountering the Father. And in daily encountering the Father, he's preparing the ground for Jesus to come. Preparation. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, I want to ask, is there anything that the Lord has been asking you or requiring of you that you have been neglecting? Any part of being a servant that doesn't seem comfortable to you? Any part of being a servant that says, I can't do that, or I'm too proud to do that, what will they think of me? This morning, I want us to get low. I want us to get low this morning and give him the highest praise. We're not going to have any specific altar call for, you need this, you need this. I just want us to worship this morning. Worship our king and get low before him. I had a vision before this morning even happened of every aisle being filled and every space on this altar being filled with servants who just want to get low. That would let all pride die. That would let all insecurity fade. Get low before our king and get into a posture of servanthood before him. Can we do that this morning? If that's you and you just want to get into a posture of servanthood and worship your king this morning, I urge you, can we stand together? If that's you this morning and you want to get into a posture and just get low before your king, I urge you to come. Let's fill these altars. Let's get low. Let's become undignified this morning. If you need something from the Lord, get low uh, before him. If you've been crying out in the wilderness for the Lord, get low before him. If you're fighting for loved ones, get low before him. If you're battling something of the mind, get low before him. Let's give him the highest praise this morning. Thank you, Father. Let's just worship our King this morning.
Let's worship our King as we get low and we bow before him this morning.